Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so happy to have you here with us during our series on dating and marriage and relationships. We love doing relationship series because this is one of the things that you guys ask us for all the time. And mm-hmm. it's because mm-hmm. we love the humans. And on today's episode, and by the way, did you guys love Dr. Julie? If you have not now. been so able good. to listen to her um, interview with us about sex and intimacy and desire and pleasure. Gosh, will you just take a, t- a little bit of time this week to go back and listen to that one? Because yeah. we know with confidence it will be a blessing to you. And on today's episode, we have a special guest that we want to introduce to you guys and actually a topic that's so near and dear to mine and Tiffany's heart. Um, and this is Miss Nicole Eunice. She is amazing. She wrote this book that actually comes out this week called The Miracle Moment. And are you guys ready for this? How tough conversations can actually transform your most important relationships. Now, this is huge because don't you think that the humans struggle with having hard conversations, Tiffany? Mm, So hard. And you know I'm like the most conflict-avoidant person you've ever met. I won't even send the eggs back. So there you go. (laughs) It's very true. She won't. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Nicole, and then we're going to ask her, as we do with most of our guests, for her to tell us a little bit more beyond the bio. But Nicole is a pastor, an author, and a coach who focuses on transformational conversations that help people move forward toward freedom and joy. She's written several books. What is this? Like, this is your sixth book, your fifth book? I don't even know. I think it's my right. fifth. Yeah. yeah. So she's just writing books like a champion. <laughs> and her latest focus is on healthy relationships in both love and work. She's the host of the Let's Be Real podcast, as well as a podcast with life audio called How to Study the Bible. And so, Nicole, would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? And we are so Absolutely. thrilled to welcome you to Why Though. Thank you. Yeah, you guys, I'm so glad to be with you. You both have become great friends. I love having you over on my podcast. I feel like we're just like in this little uh, group chat conversation in all of our different <laughs> spaces. So it's fun. Um, and we get to celebrate each other's books and you know our unique voices that God's let us use in the world. So beyond my bio, what I want everyone to know is I'm actually really bad at all of this which is why I write books about it um I am not good at it and I always tell people I'm like don't follow people who tell you they're really good at something follow people who say this is a struggle for me and I want to like be in it with you and so um self-awareness has always been a struggle for me like naming Mm. my feelings understanding my feelings if you guys are Enneagram fans I'm an Enneagram three so I I heard heard that let's get to our next success and I don't like to slow down (laughs) and I feel like all my feelings are on a time lapse and I don't like feel them at the time that I need to and so I've worked really hard at that um, I went into my marriage. I talk about this in the book, but like by year, like two and a half, I'm like, peace out. This is mm. this ain't working for me. And um, it just felt like everything I had hoped would be like how relationships would work was just so much harder. And thankfully, my husband and I have now been married 24 years. But wow. in those first couple years, I mean, we really I needed a lot of help. I had a lot of growing to do. And so I really come at this conversation about tough conversations and about relationships from a place of saying, hey, guys, I'm a fellow struggler, and I just want to I want to invite you into some of the learning that I've been doing and that I think can really help you, because now that's what I do for my job. I basically study dynamics, I study conversation, and help people understand what they're really trying to say when they're communicating. 
Mm. Oh, wow. So, so, so powerful and so helpful. Also, I just want to say how beautiful that you just gave a plug for self-awareness because y'all know <laughs> we can use more of that in the time of the 2021. Yes. Oh my gosh, so much. Ooh, yes. We really, really need it. And what you're talking about is so necessary in our real life relationships. And I think we've all been in the pressure cooker of our own lives the last right. 16, seven, I don't know, 20 million months. And so this, I just think how perfect, what perfect timing, Nicole, to be able mm. to dive into this. And also, you aren't just some rando talking about relationships. You are a therapist. So maybe <laughs> yeah, just I forgot that part. share a little bit about that too. You are qualified to talk about this. Right. I am qualified. Yes. As a human being, I'm a fellow struggler. As your author, I want you to know, yeah, I am qualified. Like I have studied deeply psychology, therapy. I'm trained as a pastor. So I've kind of gone through. And fun fact, I started my whole career as a fitness trainer. So no, I've basically so covered body, me too, mind, by the way. soul. Of course Hold on, me too. Wait yes, a second. Ashley, you, you were did. a fitness trainer? Oh, I was a trainer for three years in LA. So yeah. I was a trainer for two. Wait, no you way. were too? I had no idea this. this is guys, this is all Why are we wow. not doing a fitness video? Like we could do like a series. We actually we should. <laughs> I mean, let's do a reel on, and show people how it's done, guys. Oh, Although yes. I can't do anything We should do anymore, a reel. Like each of us should put together an eight count and then the other yeah. people <laughs> have to follow it. For sure. I'll, I'll embarrass myself with my plank that used to be like go for 60 minutes and now plank. I can't go for six seconds. I know. You know? I remember. one arm push-ups. Oh, gosh. One arm push-ups? No way. Yeah. Okay, Actually, I, I remember watching a video 10 years ago of you out planking your fiance at the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, I was, I don't think you understand what a master planker I was. Oh, I was such like, a master. I'm like, come at me, bro. Like anybody, you want to plank off? I got you. And I would just <laughs> plank for a very long time. I think my longest was maybe close to three minutes. I was going to say the one I saw was two minutes. So yeah. I can only imagine. Can and we, now, you guys, can, I'm not anyway. exaggerating when I tell you that I have to be on my knees and they last like maybe 20 seconds. Tops. Didn't you just have a baby? So did. Yes. Yeah. And okay. The third one just did something to me. My body's <laughs> like, no, ma'am, we're not coming back anytime we're soon. We're not coming back. <laughs> she's coming. She's coming back. You keep talking nice to that body. You're like, okay, body, it's going to be all right. Yes. We're going to come back. Hey, when we meet in real life, I just want to see if we can make a group commitment here. The day we ready. meet in real life, we do a plank off. I'm ready. Meet. Yeah, okay. I commit Let's to go. nothing. That okay, I commit great. to nothing. Y'all, I will a- watch you guys. I'll time you both while I'm eating Tiffany. something delicious. That's fine. And um, as you're not I know myself, on the Instagram, I don't even care if I lose because competition is not a thing. So it's great. Let's just freaking yeah. go. I only, I only play to win. So hence why I won't Good. beat well, Tiffany, <laughs> you will 100% beat me in the plank off. So you should say yes to this. You know what? Okay, let's be real. I try, Okay, my goal is two minutes a day. And I do it, but I have to take breaks probably every 30 seconds. Right. But I do you, my full two minutes every day. I plank is. for two minutes every day. Every day. That's awesome. I love yeah, that. What a, good, like, what a good habit to be in. What a good rhythm. so good. You know, it's, it just makes me feel like I'm productive. I like it. At home. So there guys, let's explore this because seriously, there's something to that mind, body, heart connection. There oh, is. Yeah. Absolutely. That is so important to everyone. And I, I know as an eight on the Enneagram, like that is, it's one of the, where the body, I'm in the body triad. Mm. And so, um, you know, I have got to expel things through my body or I like, I want to throat punch people, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I have to find a way to get energy out. So Nicole, like from your therapist, body yeah. brain, like, can you tell us like, what is that connection and why oh, is it yeah. important for us to integrate those things? Yeah. I love that you're bringing that up. Cause I actually talk about it in the book. Um, mm. um this whole idea that like, we are all, we all 
make decisions through our emotions Mm -hmm. and people are like no I don't like I'm not emotional like whatever I'm you know I've got a thinker feeler assessment in there but the reality is like we all experience sensations through our body that's how like we go it goes through the way it goes through our brain is through the place where we experience sensation before it gets to decision making and so really the reason I share that is not because we all have to like you know navel gaze so deeply at all times but it's actually more about an awareness that you're when you honor your body's response and you listen to your emotions you can actually have more clear thinking because you know um what your body might be trying to tell you so Mm. when we go into a conversation you know i love it's a it's in a book by gottman who's like a main marriage therapist yeah. yeah and one of the things he says is like if your heart rate's over 100 you can't process hard conversations right so which is a great just like quick little something is like hey next time you're in or you're going into meet with your boss Mm -hmm. or you know you need to have a challenging conversation with your teenager or you and your friend are at odds like pay attention is your heart rate going up like are you in a place where you're already you know quote unquote flooded meaning you're no longer able to like be in a rational like open posture because something about that relationship or the conversation or your temperament something has triggered you to a place where you're basically like an animal in the back of the cage like you're just like i feel threatened and many of us feel threatened frequently and we're not actually in touch with what's threatening like we don't Mm. know why our husband asking us a question about a bill you know that we forgot to pay makes us like fly off the handle or shrink back or kind of like stonewall or get really defensive we've never really engaged that conversation with ourselves like we've never really asked the question why is this so threatening And a lot of times that's deeper seated. What's going Mm -hmm. on in us is that we've had an emotional trigger that's usually related to something that helped us in the past. And I I love to use that language with my clients. Like when you respond, it was helpful to you at some point in your life. Like you were doing something that helped you survive a season in your life. You were probably a kid. And you have to make the commitment to yourself. Like who do I want to be now? Like, Mm -hmm. I get to be ridiculously responsible for my life. I get to be ridiculously responsible for the way that I show up in the world. I have to name those things. So if I'm able to say, I want to be a more courageous person or a more kind or a more patient person, and then I'm having an experience that's making me not be that, Mm -hmm. then I want to ask, like, what is this triggering that I might want to let go of? And what are some tools that I can use to actually become the person that I do want to be? So there's a big part of the book where I'm like, before we do anything, you guys, we need to decide who we want to be. That is a very important part of change. You don't just change because you're reacting to a hard situation. You change when you have a vision for what you want to see happen in your life in the future. Come on. Um, And it's not about... of course, sometimes it is about opportunity. Sometimes it is about occupation. But the change that I want to help people bring about in their life is about their character. Like right. outside of all of your circumstances and your successes or failures, what do you want out of your relationships? What do you want people to say at your 90th birthday party? Who do yeah. you want to become? Then we can actually make the changes we need to make to grow toward that person. Oh, mm, so good. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. One of the things that pops out to me is, I mean, just the elevated heart rate. That is such a powerful mm-hmm. thought. I think of even just having conversations with my my son, who's um, he has diagnosed ADHD mm-hmm. and he's very emotional, and and the littlest things can. I mean, I'm talking like 
hey, buddy, can you scooch over on the couch? And he's at a 10 and mm. explodes and it takes two hours to calm down. Um, and one of the things when we've had to have conversations, when I get an email from a teacher or a therapist or something goes on and I'm, we've got to talk it out, I've started doing, cause he just, he can, before you even have the conversation, you can see him starting to like, you know, get there and get hyped up. And I said, what if we have this conversation belly to belly? So what if we hug <laughs> and lean our heads back, but our bellies are touching. So there's comfort and there's warmth. And I kid you not, it was the only thing I could think of to keep his like heart rate down. Mm. And it, and we got through the conversation and he didn't blow up. Meaning we need the next two hours was not occupied. You know, it was this whole thing yeah. of like, oh my gosh, how, so it really put me on this journey of like, how can we keep you calm before an unnecessary storm and, and walk through these emotions just one by one of how they make you feel. And so I love that you're just mentioning how our body is integrated to our emotions, which determines our outcomes and our choices in that moment and managing decisions. It just, ooh, guys, this is something we've got to dive into because this affects every decision we make. This affects every relationship we make. And yes. then we wonder why things aren't wor- working out, but we're the common denominator. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I would, I would say too, because I think this is a really important part of this conversation, is that shutting down is also an emotional response. Right. So I'm not yes. gonna I'm not gonna call out any gender, but I think there's some strong women on this call who might be people who express a lot. And we may be married to some people who don't aren't that same way. And a lot of times when I'm coaching particularly like in couples coaching, I'll notice that like generally the female not always but like generally she might be more expressive and he is shutting down and she experiences that as he doesn't care or he's not engaged with this when actually what i'm what i'm viewing from the outside is a completely emotional response it's just the emotional response is to shut down right that is still emotional so like even trying to understand that part of things like hey if your Mm -hmm. spouse or your partner or your coworker gets really quiet, seems really disengaged, that's actually, they're having an emotional, now you're not yes. responsible for that, but you can be compassionate, like to mm-hmm. see that it's not, they're not attempting to get you <laughs> to attack them. They're actually right. also responding. And so, a lot of people think that's not emotional and it is. Right, it is very emotional. And on, honestly, I'm not, I'm not a verbal processor. I do not talk out loud to figure out what I think. And I'm not, and I do shut down. So my first mm-hmm. response always is shut down. Mm-hmm. And especially to a big conflict or something that um, makes me feel threatened or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And so in our marriage, I, I am like what would typically be the male, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the sort of gendered responses that we sort of put on each other. Um, and I remember when we were first married, I had to like really figure this out because I would just go into shutdown mode instead of mm-hmm. being able to talk or dialogue. And it literally felt like there was a muzzle on my mouth. And so mm-hmm. I had to work through a lot of the reasons why that was. And there was still some unforgiveness I had in my heart toward a, a close family member that would also that was also a stonewaller. And because mm-hmm. I still had some hatred in my heart for him, um, it made me like I was becoming the thing that I hated. And I was mm-hmm. doing the thing that I most didn't want to do because I still had all this unforgiveness in me. And so to your point about triggers and all these other things, it's like it's really important. And that body connection is communicating something. And when I start to shut down or I'm unable to share or speak or I need a minute, I realize like, wait a minute, I'm not feeling safe. Why don't I feel safe? And I have to yeah. ask myself a series of questions like, well, am I actually safe? And then I'll say to myself, yes, you are safe. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Is this person that I'm upset with or that is upset with me, are they safe? Yes, they're a safe person. And then I know how to engage and like set up my boundaries or begin my communication practices because I've done that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think it's it's so important this kind of like your body tells you a story. 
And the other thing I wanted to say is um, a a dear friend of mine got me um, some somatic therapy sessions Mm. as a gift. Um, And man, I mean, I just, I got to do four of them over the last, you know, maybe two months and maybe three months. And it's been so powerful and so life-giving to see like where your body holds trauma, why it holds trauma, um, when we feel safe, when we don't feel safe, mm-hmm. what makes us run, where we put things. And like our body is just this this gatekeeper of safety. And mm-hmm. so I feel like sometimes we have these habits and behaviors in our lives or we have ways that our body is responding in a situation that, that we need to pay attention to. Um, even small things, like maybe you find yourself, you know, picking at your cuticles because you're stressed in that moment. You don't want to tell somebody you want to get off this call or get out of this situation or get off the phone or you know whatever the yeah. situation might be. It could be tapping feet. It could be headaches. You know, there's so many indicators in our body that are telling us a story that we need to pay attention to. And why do you think that we ignore them? Well, I mean, a, a lot of us, you know, I, this is one of my like life axioms that I talk about in the book a lot is like, I think life is really hard. And so we, re- we really do need all the help we can get. Mm-hmm. And if you if you could live with that, and, and by when I say life is really hard, I don't mean that it's not joyful and that there right. can't be freedom and all this other good stuff. But I think if we were like, no, actually, like figuring out how to be a human in this world is hard, mm-hmm. and we do need all the help we can get. And it it there seems to be like this thing where it's okay to go to school to be a lawyer, it's okay to go to school to be an orthodontist, but like nobody's going to life school. To just know how to like be better at life. And if we could get to the point where I'm like, oh no, like my life, I don't need to minimize my situation. I don't need to compare it to someone else who has a more dramatic story. I can just live in the life that I'm in. I can embrace and acknowledge that there's times and parts of it that are hard and I need all the help I can get. And then I can start to be in that place of curiosity instead of condemnation, which is another huge theme of the miracle moment is like, I want you to be the scientist of your own life. And you're going to be a scientist of your own life in a way that helps you be curious about your reactions, be curious about your needs and your responses in a way that allow you to move toward the people that you love or the people that you work with, um, to move toward them with who you are rather than trying to protect who you are or Mm -hmm. guard it. And one of the things I feel like, Ashley, you were just talking about with the body, um, one of the uh, little exercises in the book is a way to feel your feelings in two minutes or less and uh, assign them appropriately. So I'm always about like, hey, we need to honor our emotions. We need to not be controlled by our emotions. Right. So honoring our emotions, just like a really quick takeaway for our listeners. The three steps are like, when I can name an emotion, do I need to release it? Meaning... This is like, I'm tired and I'm irritated and I just got cut off in traffic. And so me like getting upset with my loved one is completely not related to them. I just like need to release this emotion. And there's lots of ways to do that through our body. You know, like you said, Ashley, you need a place for your intensity. You've got a place Mm -hmm. to release that. The second is reassign, which is a huge one. And Ashley, you already mentioned it because you said you had to learn in conflict that you would shut down and you realize that you were harboring unforgiveness in your heart. So someone else in your life was the victim of an unhealed place in you like it yes. wasn't actually related to them yeah it was related to some, something else so you needed yep. to take that emotion and reassign it to its proper place and then deal with it in its proper place which deal with it means sometimes a lot it means a therapy it means yeah. healing all that and then the third one is to respond to it like to learn how to say oh like I feel angry 
because I really did just get really disappointed about how something just went down between me and, you know, my spouse. And I'm going to respond appropriately. I'm going to honor the emotion that I'm feeling. Emotions aren't bad in mm-hmm. it of themselves. So even that process in that step one in the miracle moment is really about all that self-awareness. Um, how to mean what you feel is, is sort right. of the like axiom. How do you mean? How do you interpret what you feel so that you can say what you mean and do what you say? And that's kind of the next portions of the learning in the miracle moment is how do we get to those miracle moments where we're able to lean in instead of backing out, blowing up, giving up, shutting up, whatever we right. would do. <laughs> right. So I, I have a question. When we think of these tough conversations that so many of us are avoiding, what are some just basic um, values that we can go in without giving too much away. But what are some of the things, uh, in addition to self awareness, that we can that we can practice and embody as we engage in tough conversations in everyday yeah. life? Absolutely. I mean, there's one that I feel like has changed the way that I interact with people more than any other. Like really embracing this belief has absolutely changed the posture in which I go into conversations. And so here it is. I'd say like, okay, I want you to have two tools, one tool in each pocket. Okay. So in your right-hand pocket, I want you to be able to to pull out the mindset that is, I am not as right as I think I am. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that is, all of us interpret stories. We all like search for meaning. We're very, very quick. Even if you don't think you're a judgmental person, when you are in a conflict, <laughs> you generally are writing a story about what has happened like yes. really quickly. Yeah. And you might be right, but you might not. And right. like if there's just a part of my story where I can reach into my right hand pocket and say, I'm just going to hold out this idea that I'm not as right as I think I am. Like I might even be 99% right, but there's still like a 1% chance that I'm wrong about some aspect of this experience. Like mm. who knows? Like that maybe, you know, I just had this hard thing with my coworker. Maybe they just found out that their child has cancer. Like I don't know. You know, like there's there's all kinds of things that could be going on, right? So like maybe this person isn't actually trying to slight me on purpose. Maybe there's something else, you know. That's the I'm not as I'm not as right as I think I am. But then in the left-hand pocket and this is super important for people who are conflict avoidant. In the left-hand pocket is this belief, I'm not as wrong as I think I am. Right. Mm, If I'm responding, like if something's going on, if I'm having feeling feelings or shutting down or feeling misunderstood, something's going on that's worth honoring. You don't need to just like let it go. And a lot of people do that where they're like, well, if I'm not right, then I'm all the way wrong. And if I'm all the way wrong, then there's nothing to talk about. And I really love to say, like, what would it look like to live in this space where you have the confidence to believe that when you experience something, it's worth honoring and acknowledging what that might be. But also when you experience something, you might not be totally right about, like, why it's happened. Right. That humble curiosity allows us to engage with openness when we begin a conversation with someone that we've had a disagreement with or that we have tension with. We can just enter in in that middle space between those two those two mindsets I love that such Mm -hmm. a third way I think especially when you go into conversation you're like well I'm right and they need to get on board and this is how it is but coming with that that posture of humility as you said I think that can be applicable friendship spouse parenting um church where you worship work or worship whatever the case may be man that is 
just talk about some basic tools that will set you up for success in everywhere you go. And for many of us, we've denied our feelings, like you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. We've denied, yeah. like, I think of my own situation and story, and I stayed in unhealthy and toxic situations for far too long because I didn't have that left tool in yes. my hand. Right. And, yes, um, exactly. You know, wow, gosh, so good. Yeah, and I appreciate that second part of it too because, you know, uh, Tiffany, to your point in your book and all of us, I think, understand that there's sometimes this is gendered and racialized. Mm -hmm. And so there are times Mm -hmm. where you're convinced based on your gender or perhaps your ethnicity or perhaps your economic class that you're wrong about certain things when truth is you could be right about certain things. And I think women can tend to be more, can tend to lean more to the, I'm just wrong about this and I'll let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, Even more so than men who I think will will take a stronger stance because they believe in what they're thinking or they believe in what they're saying. Um, and so that's why I appreciate your the juxtaposition of having both of those questions. It just leads towards that Christ-centered humility. Like, I might yeah. be right, I might be wrong, or I'm mostly right, and I can look at this other piece and not feel like it's an attack on my personal character or on who I am. Right. And that makes me think about, you know, when we are wrong. Like, I think sometimes it's a struggle to own that for people because, you know, when you are wrong, it feels like it, an attack on who you are as a person. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it isn't. It's like we're all just wrong sometimes. So, can you speak to that fear yes. in people? That, I have so many things you know, to say about that. Yeah, like, and we are. Let's afraid. learn how to give a real apology. Well, exactly. A, a, well, that's a bad apology. We whole should word. just do a whole episode on bad apologies. I, because yeah, I just I'm like I'm writing I, it down. I'm writing yeah. it down. I did a I did like a little video last week on like all the ways people say I'm sorry that don't mean I'm sorry. Right. And oh like, yes. What real. It, like what? Do, yeah. Like how do you just like understand? that apologies can be a one-way experience where, again, if we go back to the idea of like, who do I want to be? So if I'm really in touch with who I want to be, like if I'm like, man, I want to be whatever those words are, I want to be more open-hearted, I want to be more kind, I want to be more courageous, then I apologize out of the own my own integrity about who I am trying to become. Like, right. I don't, it, like, it mm. isn't about really the other person. It's really about this idea of if, if anything I'm doing is breaching my own integrity, I can apologize for that piece of it. And we can still have a conversation about what was behind it. So I tell a story in the book about this time where while I was writing the book, I'm standing at the coffee pot. My sweet husband, who's like very energetic in the morning, comes out of his office, his COVID office. You know, all the kids are home, three teenagers home. (laughs) He's in his COVID office. He's still here, y'all. He's still here. He's here right now. Yeah, so is mine. We're both at home, girl. We're both here. Never leaving again. 14 months. So he comes out. He's all excited. He's like, do you want to take a walk today? And I just was like angry at him and I I snapped at him about the walk I saw his shoulders dropped Mm. he like dropped his head I mean truly it was like I had just (laughs) deflated the air out of his balloon he's like okay and he just goes back to his office the truth of the matter you guys he would forgive me like our relationship is strong enough like we could have just moved on from that but I was writing the book at the time and I was like, I need to put my money where my mouth is. And right. like, first of all, I need to feel my feelings for two minutes. What is going on with me? And as I did that, I realized I was carrying a lot of resentment about the fact that like he went into his office for 10 hours a day, shut the door. I am trying to write a book and I'm trying to navigate three kids doing yeah. virtual school who are pretty independent, but still I was being interrupted every like eight minutes. You guys have written books, you know, it's like impossible yeah. to write books in five minute increments. You just... You can't. And I was feeling all of this anxiety about wanting to be successful and wanting this book to be successful. And so what I did is I ended up apologizing to him, again, because I was writing the book, just the apology. 
hey, you were being kind to me. I was completely unkind back to you. That is not who I want to be. I'm wrong. I was, I, you know, I was wrong. I'm sorry. What can I, I do to make it, it right? And yeah. he was like, nothing. You're, that's, that's cool. That's fine. Later that night, I said, hey, you know when I got upset with you earlier? It wasn't right for me to snap at you. However, I got in touch with something that I haven't told you about yeah. that I wondered if we could talk about. And so out of that, I was like, hey, this is what I'm actually feeling. Like I was feeling resentment that you didn't even know about. That isn't your fault. You know, I'm feeling anxious, whatever. And out of that, he was like, hey, why don't I send you to a hotel for like three days so you can write? You know, like out of it came exactly like that miracle moment of like what what happens when we lean in with tough conversations? Right. And a big part of that for me was like own all that you can like if you're wrong about something you can just own the part that you're wrong about and apologize Mm -hmm. for it and it doesn't have to be the end of the conflict you can then like say hey I was wrong about that piece of it but I do have something I want to talk about like could we you know when's a good time that we could talk about that part and that's what people get confused about they think that if they give any ground like if I give up anything then I'm going to give up everything so I can't apologize. I have to be like, I'm sorry that I snapped at you, but if you were doing blah, 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 like, I'm sorry that you feel this way. Like we, we make it this kind of like sparring stage, like session instead mm-hmm. of, Hey, I can just apologize for my own bad behavior right. yeah. and then still have a conversation about what was behind it, like separately. Right. I also just like, I don't even understand how people have energy to go back and forth, you guys. And I'm not lying when I say this, like, I really do mean that. Like, we just do, we can't do tit for tat in our marriage. I think I would go nuts. It's like the one place where I don't have to do it. I know that's not everyone, um, but I just, I just like, where do people find the energy? Are you guys also like this? Where do you find the energy to go back and forth? Now with the troll on the internet, I've been, I've been prone to do it. I enjoy that. <laughs> I, I quite like going back in the DMs. I will argue you to the death sometimes. And I enjoy that. Like it actually brings me life sometimes. <laughs> well, but I mean, I, I will raise my hand. Like, and this I is don't not understand. Going, truly. Yeah, this is not going back and forth, but I'll raise my hand to be the first one to say my general pattern before writing this book is in the scenario that I just laid out for you guys. I would say, I'm sorry I snapped at you, but, and the Mm, but would be, but I'm really frustrated and anxious about this book. And basically it would feel like I was pushing some blame onto my partner for something that I've never talked to him about. Right. To him, that's how it would feel. That's not what I would be trying to do, but like not really being thoughtful around like separating those things. That is total. I see it in marriages all the time. So it's kind of like, hey, my bad behavior is kind of half your fault because this is the thing that you are, are doing to me or whatever, instead of the ability to kind of like own our pieces and then have vulnerable conversations. So I'll just say like, it's not tit for tat, but it is for sure a defensive apology, which is like yeah. somehow you're, you're somehow responsible for the way that I'm acting. Mm-hmm. So, and we can, uh, um, in our show notes, we'll link to that video because it, I really enjoyed watching that. That was really helpful for me. And Nicole, this is so powerful. I think as we're wrapping up here, one of the things that I hope listeners that you would really catch is first, before you go into these conversations, decide the person you want to be. I love that. Like this is a practice I think sometimes we do when we're vision casting or creating a vision board. And then we kind of like, nope, I just got to live my life and hang on for dear life. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, wait, who are we? Mm-hmm. And what 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 do we stand for? So we can, out of our integrity, apologize and say, you know what, that's not who I am. And I'm so sorry. And I want to own that. Like that's yeah. not a, like, like you said, Ashley, we're not yielding. We're not like falling on the sword. We're we're being responsible for our personhood and how we 
occupy the world and affect other people. Mm. Oh, so, 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 so good. Ashley, any last questions or any last thoughts to ask No, I'm just so grateful that you have, you have mapped out a way for people to communicate better and a way for us to deal with conflict and a way for us to be more thoughtful in our self-awareness and in our internal world. You know, I feel like Mm. you're giving us tools to examine our internal world and how to connect that with our relationships and our body and our mind. And you guys get this book. We're going to link to it in the show notes. I think it's going to be a real blessing for you guys. And thank you so much, Nicole for being on our show awesome thanks you guys oh thanks for coming we'll see you next week bye-bye hey listeners remember to subscribe and comment it helps others to find the show to learn more about tiffany's writing speaking or books visit tiffanybloom.com to learn more about ashley's writing speaking or books visit ashabercrombie.org see you next week